Book of Galatians. Sometimes I wonder if the book of Galatians is overlooked. Uh, there's a great love I have for all of the books of the Bible. But if you want to talk about two mountaintops, the book of Romans and the book of Galatians brought us out of darkness and revealed the truth of God's message. Some have called the book of Galatians the Magna Carta of spiritual freedom. Uh, it set the world on fire, this book. Martin Luther wrote a commentary, and that forged the fires. Again, stroked it. Before that, we were in a dark, this world was in a darkness of bondage to rituals, to man-made laws, and they, they were locked down. You and I today, we, we know that. For the last two years, uh, it's been a story of lockdown, shutdown, hide behind closed doors, this shortage, that shortage. We have experienced that. And Paul is trying to strengthen the believers in an area. They were the churches that he founded on his first missionary journey. And I want to say to you, I want to point out that when you see and hear what's in this book, you'll find out that when we deviate from the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we deviate from it, when we add to it, when we try to form our own belief systems in order for us to snuggle down and to be comfortable, you're going to lose your freedom. Because Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. His word is a freedom that sets us free. Not to go wild, but to live life simply without fear. Because we have one who's gone before us. We have one who has given us the ability in coming to him that his righteousness is inputted to us. It's not our righteousness, our goodness. We can't do that. But it's Christ, his spirit, his word. And when we walk in truth and we carefully guard our beliefs, we'll find out that we are truly overcomers in a life that is trying to take the life out of you. That's basically what Paul was doing. When you begin to read this, it's different from every other epistle in this way. Paul does not give any type of commendation. He doesn't praise these believers in any way. When we read, he's saying this is to the churches, to Galatia, which means it was a circular letter. It went to several churches. It went to Antioch, Iconium, Lystria, Derby. These were the churches that he experienced much punishment. But yet when you read of that journey, Paul went through, founded the churches, turned around and went right back through them in order to encourage them. The problem that he was dealing with was false teachers. Now, First Peter had a lot to say about that. So did Second Peter. These were false teachers from the Jewish religion. They were called Judaizers. And what they were doing is basically undermining the gospel of salvation of faith alone in Christ alone. That is a foundational doctrine. They were trying to say Christ alone, yes, 
but you need to add circumcision. Now I realize that y'all don't understand why that would such, be such a big deal. But if, when you read the Old Testament, you'll find out why it was such a big deal to them. It was one of their foundational things they held to. One of the things that Christ freed the world of when he came. They were saying, add this, add the law, add the other, do these rituals, and then you can be a good Christian. Paul faced these themes as we read through this book. Here are the themes that he addressed. The first one he addressed was his authority. You see, if you can damage the authority of the one who speaks or reads, then you damage what he says. And that's, that's happened. A couple of weeks ago, I told you, 56% of the believers truly believe that the Bible is the inspired, complete, without any error, Word of God. 56% of believers. And that is because of the attack on the authority of Jesus. And I, and I think it's mind-blowing when it's believers who begin to doubt the authority of Scripture. Not only that, they were attacking salvation by grace through faith alone. They, they were adding legalism, trying to overcome freedom... And when you take away, when you add to the faith alone, when you take away freedom, nullify that freedom, go into rituals, you nullify a spirit-led life. Every believer is led in two ways, through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God that indwells us, that strengthens us through the Word. It interprets the Word. It, 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 it will even uh, convict us of our sins. It will show us where we're wrong. This is our roadmap in life. And we have this freedom. But when we lock ourselves in, we lose that freedom. Paul's going to write a word. It's called astonished. Now, that's just not like, Wow. That's a heavy Greek word. I don't know how to pronounce it, so I won't tell you what it is. But it means he was bewildered. He absolutely could not believe what he was seeing and what he was hearing. And what bewildered him is that these Christians were deserting. He did not say they were drifting away from the word. He said to them, you are so quickly deserting the truth that sets you free and the apostle in his mind, he could not think about that. He, he did not understand what he was doing. I urge you, if you don't have a study Bible, to get one. And in your devotions, at the good, in any good study Bible, they have a couple of opening pages. And they tell you why the author wrote what he wrote. And until you read that and understand what he's speaking to, you will not understand what he's saying. And so these are the issues that we're going to go through as we study the book of Galatians. Let's bring that scripture up, Gene. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Who raised him from the dead. He, if you notice Paul's reading, 
he remembered what Christ said. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. And I'm afraid today we've kind of said, okay, there's for and against, and then there's some gray matter in the middle. There is no gray matter. You're for Christ, you're with Christ, or you're against him. Paul believed that, and he throws it to them. And all the brothers with me, these are the believers, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. To rescue us from the present evil age. Evil age does not mean a specific period of time. It's talking about the world system. So when he's talking about this present evil age, it, it works in every century that we live in. We live in a present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Note what he's saying, which is really no gospel at all. Understand this, anything that deviates from scripture, anything someone tells you that you need to do upside from receiving Jesus Christ as Savior, from accepting him, from being baptized and then following him as you give him back the life that he gave you. That is the gospel. Anything else that you hear is rubbish. It's not the gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if we, Paul, his band of apostles, or any angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. That word is actually damned. That's, that is what he's saying. Let him face Christ's damnation. Now, he's using hyperbole. We know that another apostle or angels are not going to preach a different gospel different than what the gospel is. But he exaggerates. He said, even if this happens, don't believe it. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please man. That's a, that's a kind of a digging qu- question, isn't it? Have you ever sat down and thought, am I living my life through Christ for man? And that way I mean in order to be pleasing in all that you do, all of your opinions, all of your words. If you try to do that, you will become the most frustrated, depressed person around because it is absolutely impossible. When you stand with Jesus Christ, you've got to know that the gospel of Christ is absolutely in total opposition to the world age, the thoughts of people. And because Jesus said, I have come to give you life. 
Do you realize that a person without Christ is actually a dead person? Oh, you're breathing, you're eating, you're going through life. But you're dead from a standpoint of really being able to sense this present that God has given us. And so we walk idly by. We don't maintain through the storms of life. We're knocked here and knocked there. One day is great, the other's down. Have you ever noticed how when you greet somebody on Monday, we begin to put the whole week down? How you doing? Well, it's Monday. Okay, you're going to have a bad week, guys. Okay? There's a whole cemetery full of people that like to be here on Monday. Right? So... The words of our mouth are very important. And even this is what Paul is talking about. Words that are infiltrating people's ears that are causing them to be confused. And they're not just walking away. They're deserting it. Listen, when I was in Brazil, we were working in Brazil. We learned we had to be very careful. Because the Brazilian people are loving people. They don't want to do anything to offend you. And they will accept anything that you say to them. And so we learn not to say, if you want Jesus as your Savior, raise your hand. Because everybody's hand went up. When in reality, they weren't playing games. They were saying, okay, I'm an animist. Uh, I'm another religion. Uh, some of my people, I believe in voodoo. So let me take Jesus. Let me get one piece of every religion on my chain here, my little charm bracelet, just to make sure I'm okay. But see, that, that's not the way it is. Jesus, it's Jesus alone. And that's what Paul wanted to emphasize. Okay, what were they losing? You, you may be, I think I heard somebody thinking that. What, what were they losing? Well, I want to tell you what they're going to lose. Number one, they're going to lose freedom from ritual. In chapter 5, we find these words. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. This is something that the world does not understand. The world understands to be free is to be able to enjoy every pleasure in the world. There was a man called Solomon, the richest man in the world, the wisest man in the world. And he experienced all of the pleasures. He could not think of anything that he wanted. He couldn't think of anything that he, he wanted to do, anything he wanted to see. All his life, he gave himself to freedom and he came down to the age of an old man and he said, the summation of everything of my experience is vanity, vanity, vanity. The whole sum of life is summed up in love God. So this freedom we have is a freedom to live life the way God created man to live. Imagine in the garden, Adam and Eve. There was no yard to mow. I don't even think there was any dishes to wash. I mean, it was just live life knowing that in the afternoon, God would come walk with you. 
God created a world that is perfect in every way in order for his creation to enjoy it. That world was soiled by sin and yet now through Jesus Christ, even in a soiled world, the freedom that I'm speaking of is the freedom from guilt. The freedom of a bondage. A freedom of afraid that you didn't do everything just right. Listen, over my years as a pastor, I've heard some of the silliest arguments I've ever heard in my life. A group of pastors one time sit in a room for two and a half hours. You know what they were arguing about? The wording of the sinner's prayer. Now, they were very smart. I was just a dumb old country boy. And I thought I'd never read a sinner's prayer in in the Bible. So I don't know how they're worried about wording something that's not there. But this is what we have a freedom from. Because number one, through the word of God, and again through the spirit of God, truth is revealed to us. We're living in a world of trickery. We're living in a world where people try to fool you out of what you have. And yet in this world, through the word of God, through the spirit of God, the spirit of God reveals truth. We don't have to worry about, did you walk in on this side of the aisle when you should have came here? Did you sit here instead of there? Did we go by the bulletin and the order of service where everything goes? And when somebody deviates from that order of service, instead of going and eating, everybody says, hey, we we deviated, we deviated. No. We're free from that. And that freedom actually is the guardrails. It's like a railroad track. We stay on the rails. We walk in the truth. We are happy to be, to have those hedges. We're happy to identify, have a curves in our life identified. We're happy about that. Not only that, look at verse 6. Will you bring up verse 16? I like this verse. The only... For Jesus Christ, neither circumcision or uncircumcision, don't worry about it, he's talking, it could be talking about anything addition, has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Jesus said, you'll know my followers by their love. And when you live in truth, it breaks your heart. When you see people not living in that truth, people living in self-imposed bondage. And when these Galatians, when they were abandoning, deserting the truth of Scripture, what they were actually doing was like a prisoner. He's been in jail for 20 years. The warden comes and says, you're free. Go ahead and leave. And he walks out for a little while and comes right back and shuts the door. How many of you are living a life behind prison bars of fear when the truth is available through Jesus Christ? Not only that, legalism. Look at verse 7. We have freedom. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Paul will use the analogy of a race in all of his writings. The kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole loaf batch of dough. Young people don't understand that, do they? 
They want some bread. They go down to the store and buy a loaf. And you can buy canned biscuits. My daddy thought they ought to outlaw make canned biscuits illegal. Because, you know, they used to put, they'd take that dough and work it. Mama would slap it and knock it and she'd put a little bit of yeast in there and a big lump. Then she'd wrap it up and put it in the refrigerator. And before you knew it, it just swelled up. It was there. A little bit of evil. Some of us live our life saying, oh, well, this won't hurt. Oh, well, watching this, reading this, this won't really hurt you. You need to understand that a little bit of evil will corrupt your entire mind. A little bit of evil will corrupt your entire life. Whenever we as Christians begin to live in peaceful coexistence with sin, our life, our witness, and our freedom is absolutely gone. I've been asked over and over, preacher, how do you tell if it's God speaking or the devil speaking? And it's very simple. Is if what you're thinking does not line up with the teachings of Christ, it's not him. What did he say? It's not the one who calls you who has made you think this way. I'm amazed that people today, and I think we have been engineered toward, who have a certain comfortableness of a list of do this and don't do that. They seem to need those boundaries. Jesus has the same type of teachings, but it's a little bit different. He says to you, this is life to the full, to the abundance. This is the life that overcomes the world. This is the life that overcomes obstacles. And this is the life that will cause your life to crash and burn. Listen, legalism is gone. In Christ, we have been set free. And he said, when I set you free, I'm going to teach you. Exactly what you need to do to learn the full. Not only that, we have freedom in the spirit. You, my brothers, were called to be free. He repeats that. But do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature. Rather, again, serve one another in love. We've talked about the old man. Paul saying, put off the old man. Put in the new. The new was placed in us. It's an exchange. Jesus Christ took our sins and gave us his righteousness. That is the new life. The life of the flesh is the life that we live. We continue to live in a body of flesh. But the body of flesh that he's talking about is the desires of the flesh. They are dead to us and it is us Who resurrect them. It's us when we get into the fringe of life. When we go back to the things that we were tempted with. The things we did in our life before we come to Christ. Those are the issues that Satan will put before you time and time and time again. And he'll get to the point where he tells you, hey, you've been a Christian a long time. You don't have to come to church all the time. You don't have to fellowship with those people. You already know the Bible. You don't have to read it. Those are the little bit of yeast that will enter your life and destroy you. This freedom we have in the spirit is that 
See, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your being. And the other one is like it. Love your neighbor. And you see, if we just took those few words and made that the governing part of our life, how do you want to be treated? Do you want to be looked over? Do you want to be made fun of? Do you want to be talked about? In anything you can think about, ask yourself, do I want to experience that? Then if the love of Jesus is in our heart, why would we do that to our brothers and sisters? We tear each other down. The unity is broken. And the power of the church is the word of God and the unifying effort and then the unifying force that goes out from this word. Go ahead. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Just stop it there. That is the formula of life. We can say no to our husbands, no to our wives, no to our children, no to our pastors. The hardest person to say no to and to keep it is yourself. You see, when you are walking in the Spirit, and let me, I have a foot, that's not walking in tickle toes, you know, walking around like they're going to do on stage in the ballet. That's not walking like that. That's walking in a firm step, grasping who you are in Christ, what is happening in this world, and what your eternal destiny is in. When you walk by the Spirit and He directs your path, you will say no to your flesh with authority. Because you're actually saying to your flesh, in the name of Jesus, no. That's the greatest authority in the world. You have freedom from spiritual bondage. Chapter 6. Brother, someone is caught in a sin. You who are spiritual should restore him. What's this word? Don't, don't walk up with your family Bible and hit him in the head. Or her in the head. Don't go in a condescending, condemning way. Because you need to remember there is no, therefore now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. How do we do that? We simply say, brother or sister, I see you heading in a path that's going to lead to problems and destructions. And I want to walk with you. One of the things that has been taken away from the body of the Christ during this period of time is us remembering we rely on each other, that we lean on it. Jeff said he leaned on me. I told him there were times I was leaning on his, his self, his young legs, his strength. We go through life together. And so when someone sins, rather than gossip about it and call everybody you know and say, guess what happened? We go pray with that person. And we do it in a gentle way, not a condescending way. 
We do it because we love them. And finally, friends, this spiritual bondage is the guilt. There is a vast difference between the conviction of sin and the bondage of guilt. Sin is forgiven when you come to the Savior and say, Oh God, would you forgive me of my sins and cleanse me? It's done. But the guilt that Satan tries to help you remember every failure you ever made, that is a bondage and a load again that takes away the joy of the Lord in your life. And what does that come from? It comes when you and I begin to add to the gospel of Christ or we take away from. There's only one gospel. It is the way of life. It is the only way to Jesus Christ, and it's the only pathway to heaven. So this morning, let me ask you, are you carefully guarding truth of Scripture in your life? Do you live out what you say you believe? Oh, yeah, just don't come back and say, well, I'm not perfect and everybody. That's a given, okay? We're all mortal people. But have, is your guide the forgiveness of sin? The desire in your heart to be strong in the Lord and walk strong. Don't add these things that the false teachers were added to. Walk in the freedom of Christ. This morning, if you've never experienced that freedom, perhaps you've held on to your church membership or partnership or the things that you've done for the Lord. If that's what you're holding on to, those are the things that will not last. The only thing is eternal is when you have been convicted of your sins that you need a Savior and you can't save yourself and you cry out to God. And He comes into your life and He makes that life new. This morning, today, if you're online, if that's what you realize, hit that I have decided button. Someone will contact you. We will walk with you through this. This morning, maybe it's just a time of renewal. Lord, I need to be reminded. I need to get back on track. Whatever, this is the time. This is the hour. Fathers, we come to you. Thank you for the blessedness, the decisiveness, the truth, the eternal truth that does not waver. And so I am entrusting today that as your word has gone forth, It will accomplish what you've sent it out to accomplish in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.